Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. This morning, we're going to continue preaching, I am, uh, on the series Kingdom Builders. I believe for us to go forward, we're going to have to go back. When I go back, I have to remember who I am and what God has called me to do. Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm a kingdom builder. What has God called me to do? To build his kingdom. Last, the first week of this series, we talked about uh, the story of Nehemiah. I'm just going to recap for a second. Nehemiah was called, God called him to build, rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem. And as he's building, doing what God says, the enemy comes on the scene. Opposition comes on the scene. And they say, come on down, Nehemiah. We, we want to talk to you. And Nehemiah is finishing up the walls, doing what God told him to do, building the kingdom of God. And they say, come on down, Nehemiah. We, we got something to talk to you about. And they, Nehemiah knew by the Spirit of God and through discernment that all they wanted to do was cause him harm. And what Nehemiah sent back to them was this. Tell them I don't have time. Oh, we need to get that in our spirit. I ain't got time to come down and talk to you because I'm doing a great work for God. We've got to get that in our spirit. God has called us to do a work and we don't have time to give in to fear and be distracted by what everybody else is saying. We need to stay and hear what God is saying for our lives. I don't have time to come down and I just want to tell you right now, there's a great distraction in the world to get you to believe things that you're not supposed to believe, for you to give in to fear, for you to try to just take it easy. God is not calling us to just... Are you listening to me this morning? God is not calling us just to take it easy. God is calling us to build His kingdom. Nehemiah said, i got a great work to do and I cannot come down. You know after I preach that, you know the worst thing about preaching? Is you have to live out your sermons. Sister Rose, as soon as I preach this, you know what? Distraction came. And I, you know what? I started giving in to it. And then it's like, all of a sudden, I remembered, hey, hello, don't you remember what you just preached? You don't have time to come down. Your, your mind is set on things above and not things below. You don't have time to come down. It's just a distraction. Then next week, which was last week, we talked about Gideon, the Midianites, how God called Gideon by a name he didn't recognize. He said, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said, who are you talking to me? I'm hiding threshing wheat down in a wine press. He said, yeah, I'm talking to you. And he said, I'm not done. I've called you to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites. Gideon said, you talking to me? He said, yes. You know what? God will call you by a name you don't recognize and he'll call you to do something that you don't think you can do. That's how God is. And building the kingdom of God and walking in his plans and doing his will is bigger than you are. And if it wasn't, it wouldn't be a God thing. See, it's going to take more than you. It's going to take you and the Spirit of God. And Gideon does what God tells him to do. And he steps out. And with 300 men, he fights the Midianites. And he puts them on the run, an army of 100,000, 130,000 plus. And with 300 men, he's put this army on the run, Judges chapter 8 verse 4 says something very significant and important that we cannot look over. They said when they crossed the Jordan, Gideon 
and these 300 men, when they crossed the Jordan, they were exhausted, yet pursued. And there's a lot of us who are spiritually, in this season, exhausted. But God is saying, don't you quit. Do you hear me? Do you hear God? Do not quit. Are you hearing the Lord right now? Do not give up. Galatians tells us in chapter 6, do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season at the right time when God settles it and he already has made up his mind at that right season, at that right time, if you do not grow weary, you do not faint, you'll reap a harvest. Friend, you may be exhausted, but you got to keep on walking. you got to keep on moving. And you know what? This is the beauty about the body of Christ. Sometimes we're walking and sometimes we're crawling. We're part of this family of God. And when we see somebody who's crawl crawling, we got to grab them up. Right? right? Yeah. We pick them up. And we say, I've been there where you are. I know where you're at. But you are not in a place. Nor will you ever be in a place where you can give up or throw in the towel. So we learn that sometimes God calls us, what he calls us to do is big. And it's tiresome. Yet we still have to pursue. God never said living for him and serving him would be easy. Look at me. I don't care what good-looking preacher that has millions of followers tells you how good this life is and how happy you're supposed to be. God never promised that you'd be happy. We focus so much on this world that we forget this is just my minute is small compared to eternity. What we can see is temporary, but there's a whole line of forever that we cannot see, and that which we cannot see is eternal. Let me just say this. There is so much fear in this world now is because we're scared of death. Now, this isn't popular. You, you, and I don't care. I don't. Friend, this isn't all there is. And the reason people are so scared and bummed out is because so much focus has been put on this world. But the Bible says many are the trials Many are the tribulations that we have to face. That's what it said. But God shall deliver the, us from them all. Do you believe that? Let me keep on going. So at times we get exhausted, but we must keep pursuing. We must build his kingdom. Listen, speaking of building his kingdom, listen, when I go to buy something, I was trying to think what was the last thing that I bought that, that I had to put together. And I guess the last thing I bought that I had to put together was Judah's, Judah is my son. He's two years old. We just bought him an electric car for Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? Jeep. It's a Jeep. It's got a radio. It's nicer than my truck that I drive. <laughs> it's, it's very nice. And I told Holly, I said, don't you buy one in the box. You better buy one that's already put together. You know what she bought? One in a box. I hate putting things together. Where you got these instructions. Because by the time I get done, I got five holes left that need screws in them. And I got like three screws. And I always blame it on the people who put the thing together and boxed it up. I bought a grill the other day. 
I went to, to Lowe's. I bought a grill. And I was, this guy, I was, he said, can I help you? I said, absolutely. I said, I want this grill. This He said, okay, I'll go get it for you. I said, no, 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 no. No, don't go nowhere. Go get this one. Like this one. This one right here. I don't like the ones in the boxes. I want this one. Well, this one's been touched and messed with. I said, I don't care. Most people want to pay less if they got, if they get the floor model, they say, well, I ain't going to give you as much money for this one because people say, friend, I'll, I'll pay more for the one. Huh? Just unlock it, wheel it to the truck. We'll talk about the price later because I don't want to put it together. And you know why it's hard for me to put things together? Because I don't read the instructions. Huh? Any men want to testify to that? You know you don't read. You read the instructions once you get all jacked up. First you start, you like me, you'll start looking at the picture of the, fi of the finished product. You're like, oh, that's for that. You can't see in it. And on the other side, I'm not good at putting things together. So therefore, I, make, I, I don't read the instructions, so I'd make a terrible house. Someone to build your house. I like to go by feeling. When I build something, I go by how I feel. So if you wanted your house built, it wouldn't be good. I wanted a door there. If I felt like a door would go there, I'd put a door. You know, I just wouldn't make a good contract because I don't read instructions. I'd make a terrible contract. But when it comes to building the kingdom of God, God has given us some specs. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Jody? God has given us some specs to go by. In 2015, when I came to Remnant Church, and it's still the core, it has always been, and will always be the core of who we are, the vision for our church. We're a church who preaches one message. What that means is I don't want no confusion. And in order not to have any confusion, let's just keep it about Jesus. Because the Bible says where he is lifted up, he'll draw all men nigh. See, it's Jesus that breaks down culture. It's Jesus that tears down walls. It's Jesus that, 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 uh, that, that, that brings us all together. Jesus Christ. So we preach one message. We build one kingdom. It's his. And we do this by living, loving, and serving like Christ. So building the kingdom of God is not something new. It's who we are. It's who we are. And make this personal. It's not a church thing. It's a personal thing. Because the kingdom of God is not a grill that needs to be put together or bricks and mortar. No, the kingdom of God is people. And God has called us. I hear people say all the time, you can turn that air off because I know they're freezing. Y'all are freezing, aren't you? My sweat is turning into ice. I think they do it because they think I'm not going to sweat. Listen, I came in here sweating. I think when I was born, I was sweating. <laughs> it ain't going to make me stop sweating. So I'm going to sweat on. So just where they can hear me without turning blue, just make it go off. We have nine values here at Remnant Church. I've tried to sprinkle these in at, in the last year or so. Our leaders know what they are. And I want to talk about three. Three values. Three things that we hold dear. And we're going to call these specs. Three specs. When it comes to building the kingdom of God, and now this is not just a remnant thing, this is a personal thing as well. If we're going to build the kingdom of God, we're going to have to build it by specs. How God intended for it to be built. Is everybody with me? Spec number one. When it comes to building the kingdom, we're going to have to remember that restoration is for anyone. I thought you'd say amen. Restoration is for anyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, 
or how long you've done it, we believe God is a restorer. And I love this last part. No one is a lost cause. Nobody. That person in your family that you think can never get it right, maybe they've struggled with this addiction or that addiction and they've burned all their bridges and you think they'll never figure it out. They'll never get it right. And maybe you can't even think of someone in your family like that. That's because you're that person. You know what? We've got to see them through the eyes of grace. We've got to see them through the eyes of God. We've got to see them like God sees them. Restoration is for anybody. I want to take a look, and I'm not going to take a long. I preach so long. This is 9 o'clock, so I'm, I'm going to make it shorter. I want to take three. I want to look at, at three people in the Bible. A woman at the well, a man on a road, and a boy in a mess. Okay? to show you that restoration is for anybody. And then God can turn around and use those who He restores and use them in great ways. Because God's not looking for somebody great. He's looking for somebody He can be great through. And the first person that comes to my mind is the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, the Bible says, and you can follow me guys up there on the computer if you can, uh, Jesus says, disciples, I've got to go through Samaria. They said, that's not the way. That's not how you get to Galilee. He said, I've got to go through Samaria. He had to travel through Samaria. Why? We learn why. In just a few scriptures later, we learn that there's a woman coming. Jesus has propped himself up. He sent his disciples on the, their way. He's propped up on a well. And here's a woman coming in the heat of the day. Noontime. Coming to get water at a well. Why? At noon. What's the significance of that? Because they didn't, women didn't go get water in the heat of the day. They went early in the morning or at night. But this woman went when nobody was going. Nobody was watching. Nobody was around. Why? Because she was an outcast. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with her. And every time she was in the crowd, people would point their fingers at her and they would remind her of her past and what she had done and where she had failed. And she couldn't get any relief or alleviation. So she said, I won't have anything to do with people. I'll avoid people. She couldn't avoid Jesus that day. Jesus seen this woman who needed restoration. You're this woman, by the way. So before you start looking down on somebody and thinking, oh, what a great story, this is your story. You Don't be religious. Don't be so high and mighty. This is my story. I am the woman at the well. You are the woman at the well who needed a drink. Mm, that would never run dry. That would thirst, that, that would quench your thirst and alleviate your pain, the thing that you've been wanting and looking for. All of us were in that place. All of us have a void in our lives that only God can fill. And you can fill it with drugs. You can fill it with relationships. You can fill it with sex. You can fill it with whatever you want to fill. But it will not fit. And it will. Are you listening to me, church? And it will not last. This woman came and she seen Jesus. And Jesus said to her, and I love this. He said to her, give me something to drink. Why is this important? Because he was willing to drink from her cup. Jesus was willing for her to take her cup, her pot, and get what she, he, do you understand what I'm saying? He 
He didn't look down on her. In fact, she was standing. He was kneeling at the well. He was willing to drink from her cup. Are you willing to drink from that person's cup? I know that's a bad illustration to use during COVID, right? Of course not. You get what I'm saying, don't you? Are you willing to stop? Are you willing to go out of your way? Jesus went out of his way. He didn't have to go through Samaria. That's not the way to go, but something was compelling him to go to Samaria. He looked up to her and said, give me something to drink. And the very thing she, next thing she said was, wait a minute, why are you asking me to give you something to drink? Don't you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Don't you know who I am? Jesus knew exactly who she was, but she didn't know who he was. And he said to her this. He said, hold on, wait a minute. If you knew who I was, I know who you are. But if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for something to drink. And I would give you water that you ain't never had before. Living water. She said, you ain't even got a bucket. And the well is deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was prophesying and didn't even know it. Yes, she don't need a bucket. He don't need a bucket. And yes, you're right. He is the wellspring of living water, and the well is deep, and it never shall run dry. He said, if you knew the gift. I like Jesus. I love this. I love this. He said, if you knew the gift who was standing right here in front of you, I am the gift of God. Then he goes on and tell, tells all about her, what she'd done, who she was, what people were saying about her, how they were ridiculing her. He said, go get your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, that's right, you've been married five times and the, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. You say, boy, that was harsh. No, there was no condemnation or guilt that Jesus placed on her. He just wanted her to know, I know you. I know all about you. And I still ask you for water. See, we got that all twisted, don't we? I've heard preachers get up. Ooh. Like, and then he said, he read a mail, boy. Ha! Got all up in the face and said, you are hoochie mama. You know what I'm talking about. That's what all these women you got... Like, that's what Jesus was doing, and that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was saying, I know everything about you, but do you remember when I still said I wanted to drink, I would drink from your cup? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? She placed her faith in Jesus that day. You know how I know that? Because she dropped her bucket. She left behind all her past. She said, I won't be needing a bucket no more. And when I come back, I'll get my bucket, and I'm not going at noontime. I'm going with all the other women. They can say what they want to say about me. I don't care anymore. I'm going to hold my bucket. I'm going to the, I'm gonna go to the well. I don't care what nobody's saying about me anymore. In fact, how do I know this? Because she ran into town, and she said, Come see a man who told me everything I had ever done. Surely this is the Messiah. You know what happened? Men and women all over that town came to Jesus and they placed their faith in Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Restoration is for anyone. How about Paul? Paul, I think it's Acts chapter 9. Paul is walking on the road to Damascus. Paul hates Christians. He believes it's a false teaching and false doctrine and Jesus was just a man. And he's going to shut churches down. Have him arrested. And while he's going to do some more of that business, the Lord comes to him. Knocks him off his feet. 
glory and the light so bright that it blinded Paul. Right on that road to Damascus, Paul saved, filled with the Spirit. And it was Paul who would say, everything I learned before Jesus, I consider dumb. You know what that word is, don't you? Poo-poo. Caca. Judah calls it, ooh-wee. He said, I consider it all waste now that I know Jesus. And then you know what Paul did? What did Paul do? He only wrote like most of the New Testament. So God can use anybody. He's a restorer. And then how about the prodigal son? A boy in a mess. Leaves his father's house, says, give me, all, give me my inheritance. I'm tired of living in this house. I'm tired of living under your authority. Give me everything. All that belongs to me. And you know what he does? He gives him everything he wants. And the prodigal son goes into the, into, lives a riotous life, riotous living, spends all his money. Broke. Attaches himself to a farmer. Makes himself a slave. This is in Luke chapter 15. And the Bible says that he had got so low Spent all his money, left his daddy's house, and he is kneeled down about to eat. I don't know what y'all call it, but in my house we call it scraps. Huh? It was a slop. Corn husk. Everything that nobody wanted. And here he was, kneeled down, about to eat the scraps. That was meant for the hogs. When the Bible says he came to himself. He said, the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. And he said, I'm going to get up, but I got to prepare something. I got to say something. What am I going to say? And then he prepares a speech for his daddy. He says, I know what I'll tell him. I'll tell him, I'm no more, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Just make me a, one of the hired servants. Can I tell you there are no steps with Jesus? You're either his child or you're not his child. You're either in light or you're in darkness. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're either saved or you're not redeemed or unredeemed. There's no in between. He says, yeah, that's it. That's what I'll say. And he makes his way to his father's house. And when he gets there, he begins to say, by the way, the father was waiting on him. He wasn't in the house, but he was down the road looking. When he goes to say this speech he has prepared, restoration interrupts him. Father interrupts him and says, Go get a ring. Go get a robe. Go get the finest of my things and bring it to my son. Not servant, my son. For he who was lost is now found. Restoration is for anyone. Fact number two. We wholeheartedly embrace God's grace. I've been called, in a negative term, I, I guess, not quite sure, but I think it's negative. He's a grace preacher. 
I, I don't know. But I am. I'm not a law preacher. The law doesn't work. The Bible says the law was powerless. That all it could bring about is death. So I guess I am a grace preacher. I, in fact, not only am I a grace preacher, I wholeheartedly embrace God's grace. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't step around it because I understand that it is the grace of God and only by the grace of God that we can make it in this life and go from this life to the life to come. What is grace? Simply God's goodness. You want a definition of grace? It's the goodness of God. Grace is God's power. In 2 Corinthians, Paul Chapter 12, verse 9. Before that, put that up on the scripture, put that on the wall, please. Thank you. But before that, he's got a thorn in the flesh. Paul does. Something that's bothering him. An addiction. Something. I don't know. We're not told what it is on purpose. Because if we were told what Paul's thorn was, we'd focus on that and we'd ignore ours. So it's just a thorn, and it's agitating me. And he prayed, God, are you listening? God, deliver me from this thorn. And you know what God did? He didn't deliver him. But he used this to develop him and to teach him something. He said, Paul, I won't deliver you from this thing. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, listen, is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast gladly, I will gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. I was able to attend Celebrate Recovery this Thursday. And they were talking about, the, 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 the teaching was on powerless. We're powerless. And the Lord dropped this in my spirit. In order for us to walk in real power, we must admit that we are powerless. Put that scripture back up there. Look what it says. It says Paul is saying this. Okay, you won't take this thorn from me. Okay, your grace is sufficient for me. And then we tap into a secret here. Therefore, if I, re I receive more grace... When I boast that I need more grace, there's strength in my admittance that I don't have it all together. Y'all are so quiet. Is it because y'all are bored? Y'all listening? Intently? I'll go with that. See, we were raised in a church that said, act like you've got it all together whether you do or not. Don't let nobody know you struggle. Somebody comes in, that you come in church, you don't they ask you how you're doing, don't you tell them. You tell them you're doing good. You tell them you, everything's great. So we put on this mask and we pretend like everything's good while our thorn is nagging us and now becoming infected. And the more we pretend like we've got it all together, the worse it gets. But when you come to a place and say, I can't do anything without Jesus. I am a mess. I don't have it all together. I can't even live. I can't even get up out of my bed without Jesus. I can't even walk without Jesus. I can't do anything without Jesus. And I sure can't walk in victory without him and his grace. So Paul said, I'll boast. Because you know what? They want to sit Paul up on a pedestal. Make Paul this, he's got an amazing testimony, an amazing story. And we put all the emphasis 
on Paul, and it's so easy for us to make it. Like, Paul is so great, and, 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 and people were doing that. Paul started saying, well, wait a minute. I'm weak. Don't look to me. Don't think I got it all together. The strength you see comes from Jesus. Comes from his grace. The grace of God is a teacher. Titus chapter 2. The other day, I'll be done in just a few minutes. The other day, I was asked to do a funeral and I said I would. And I've never been late to a funeral in my life. Not especially when I was officiating. But the funeral home said they told, said me, told me two. I, I said they told me 2.30. Well, guess what time the funeral took place? 2.30. Because <laughs> I had to wait till I got there. And I hated it. I mean, I hated it. It was, I felt so embarrassed. I jumped in Holly's car because it's faster than my truck. And I gave it all it had. And I got there at 2.20. It was a graveside funeral. I had never been to a funeral like this. I, it was, it was a, uh, I, they were cremated, but then they were going to bury the ashes. And I had never been to a funeral like that. I, I'd never even seen that done. I, I'd seen cre cremations and memorial services, and, and then they'd take them in, to a place that they always wanted to go on vacation or something and drop them off there. But this, they were burying the ashes. And, well, anyway, I didn't think anything of it because I was late, and all I wanted to do was get to the podium and explain myself and make things right. And so I get out of the car. Where I parked, as soon as I got out of the car, all eyes were on me. And I could see their faces like, mm -hmm. well, finally he got here. Huh? Or at least that's what I was thinking, you know. Show up anytime you want to. That's what I was thinking. So I, I try to get my mind right. I'm going to go in here. God's called me to preach. This is what he's called me to do. This is who I am. I'm going to do it. I'm going to knock it out of the ballpark later or not. So anyway, I start walking. I start walking fast because I'm late. And everybody's looking at me, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say to smooth this over. They got this green carpet out there. You know what I'm talking about, the AstroTurf-looking stuff. They got it spread out. and they, There was a table. There was, I'm assuming, what was the ashes. I don't know. Anyway, I walked past one of the guys that work at the funeral home. He says nothing. I said, oh, great. He's mad. He's mad. Yeah, now I got the funeral home mad at me. I walked by him. He doesn't say anything. All I want to do is take the quickest route to the podium. And all of a sudden, the ground, Mike, disappears. <laughs> no, I ain't joking. I fell in the hole. I did, Rose. Didn't I? Garrett. I fell in the hole, Joe. I'm hanging there. I wish this was not the truth. And I'm going somewhere with it, so just hold on. I'm hanging there. What felt like eternity. I know it wasn't probably like five or six seconds. While I'm hanging there, I hear this older gentleman. I never looked up because I don't even want to see the people. I'm hanging. I hear this older man say, Lord, now he's done fell in the hole. There I am hanging. I'm on the corner. I still ain't touched the ground. How deep was that hole? How deep do you need to bury ashes? That's all I'm asking. But it's a deep hole. 
I got up with help. They got my arms with help. I was in an all-black ensemble that day, sort of like this, but a little more dresser. And I brushed, I had dirt all over me. I brushed it off. I said Grace was a teacher. That's what I'm talking about. I, I got all brushed off. Brock at the funeral home. It was music funeral home. It was Garrett's grandmother and a lovely lady. And, and this ain't, they said she would have got a real big kick out of that. She would have, wouldn't she, Garrett? They also said that's what you get for being late. But anyway, she attended this church not very long, but she started attending about six months ago. Anyway, the next week I had another funeral. Y'all, I got, I done the funeral and it was, five people got saved. It was a great service. And then we went to the, we went to the cemetery. I thought I was good, y'all. I got PTSD from this stuff. I started looking at that green carpet because when I fell, all that green carpet went down in the hole. They were trying to get the carpet out. So I get to the cemetery and I just kind of slow down at this next funeral. I slow down. They said, Pastor, you got to get closer. The people can't hear you. I said, you don't know what I've been through. You, you just, you don't, you don't know where I've been. They said, said, no, they can't hear you from there. So I just start walking slowly. I'm looking at that green carpet. I'm examining everything. Now, they got a body in this one, so it's a little easier to understand what's going on. But I, hey, I wasn't fixing to fall in that hole again. Here, here what I, this is what I'm saying. Grace is a teacher. What I'm saying, if it wasn't for grace, failure would be final. But you know what grace taught me when I was in that hole? I, I learned real quick. And you'll learn quick if you'll hear God when you're in a hole because God never said you wouldn't fall. This, the Bible says a righteous man falls, but he gets back. He falls seven times, but he gets back up. Now, I learned something. Look around. Be aware of your surroundings. Listen, when you fall, if you're in law, it's final. But if you fall in grace, grace will teach you lessons in failure. Titus chapter 2, put that scripture up. I love this scripture. I think it's verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared to all, bringing salvation. Next verse. Teaching us to deny, to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live sensible, righteous, and godly in this present age. Not only is grace power, grace is a teacher. But it's only by grace that we can be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This was scripture that is probably my, my, is my scripture. Like it's, it says, for you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. My, it's, it, you can't earn it. It's a gift. You'll never deserve it. It's a gift. Next verse. Not from works, so that no one can brag about it. When I was in Honduras, and Catholicism is a big deal over there, and they said, you got to be careful how you talk to the people that are Catholic. Well, that went out one year and then one year and out the other because I forgot. Now I'm just teaching, talking, talking to them. And I just asked. I didn't say anything about it. And that's probably what they told me to do. Don't say anything about Catholicism. So I didn't. I just talked to them about Jesus. And I, we went to this one place. and Supposedly, I don't remember. You had to go to this guy's house because he was kind of like the king of the place. I don't know. Something like that. Ruler, I don't know. Biggest farmland. Something like that. But he had to give us permission to be there. I said, well, that's fine. And we got there and we started talking to him. And I asked him, do you know Jesus? Because that's what we're going to tell the people. They speak in Spanish. Do you know Jesus? That's what we're here for. And I said, he said, 
yeah, I know Jesus. I said, well, are you saved? Like, are you saved? And he said, well, I go to Mass. I said, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Mass or going to church. I'm talking about, are you saved? Do you know if when you died, are you listening? You'd go to heaven. He said, I don't know. I said, well, do you want to know? Then that's when I learned. If, how do I say Ephesians? Ephesians. You, you don't know? You said you were a whole Mexican. <laughs> she ain't. She ain't. She ain't. Ephesios, I think that's right. Dos ocho. Like that. <laughs> like an Italian, like you're Italian, like I just done for whatever reason. Anyway, so I begin to read in that scripture. Hey, tears started rolling down it. Now here I don't I don't know the culture, I don't know the language. I just know Jesus. And I know he's bound up in religion and bondage. I said, man, salvation is not about doing. It's not about mass. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be perfect enough because Jesus is perfect. You, you'll never be perfect in your behavior. you got to be perfect by faith through his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. Man, do you want Jesus? Here's rolling down this. 70-year-old man, faith. And he said, I want Jesus. How on know. There's a bunch of people just like him. There may be some folk right here who you go to church and you know Jesus mentally. You made it about you. How maybe if I'm good enough, you'll never be good enough. That's where grace comes in. He who knew no sin became sin, became sin, so that you could become the righteousness of God. How do I access this grace? By faith. Number three, we believe that salvation through Christ is the greatest of all miracles. This isn't, for many churches, salvations are like a cherry on top. For us, salvation is the milkshake. Some of y'all don't, do you get that analogy? Some of y'all are saying, of course, Pastor, you would have used the milkshake analogy. What I mean is this is what it's all about. People getting saved. This is the king, how we build the kingdom. Building the kingdom is people. So we take this in mind. We believe that salvation through Christ is the greatest of all miracles. And do you know why we see a lot of salvations? Is because we celebrate them. We don't make them a nice something to happen on the side it's what this is all about. Because you can like church, you can like our presentation, you can like the music, you can love this church, but if you have not fallen in love with God, when you take your final breath here, you'll take your next breath separated forever from God. Musicians and singers come. We believe that salvation through Christ is the greatest of all miracles. I want to say this. Jesus didn't come to rid the world of disease. He didn't come to rid the world of poverty or inequality. Are you listening? He didn't come to get into worldly politics. He came to give man hope. He came to rid the world of sin. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? 
there were two thieves that were going to be crucified that would be and was crucified with him that day. Something happened to one of the thieves. He told, he looked at Jesus and he said, listen. He said, I, remember me when you come in your kingdom. That was a, he had placed his faith in Jesus. In order to come into your kingdom, you had to be a king. He believed Jesus was king. You know what Jesus done? He said, this, this day, that's what he said, you'll be with me in paradise. Now watch this. Remember this. Jesus didn't take him off the cross. He didn't deliver him from the cross. He didn't deliver him from the pain or the hurt that day. No, he died on that cross. You know what he done? He saved his soul. Are you getting what I'm putting? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? If Jesus, and he could have if he wanted to, called angels from heaven to take that thief off the cross, heal the places where the nails were in his feet, in his hands, and take him to a city where nobody knew him and start his life all over again, he could have done it. And that would have been a well, that would have been a good miracle, right? But it wasn't the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is what Christ done. He responded to that man's faith. Saved his soul. Let me tell you why salvation is the greatest miracle. Because there was a great separation between sinful man and God. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Eve said... She listened to this. She listened to the enemy. She listened to Satan. She said, eat, she said, he said, won't you eat some of that tree? She said, I, I can't eat nothing out of that tree. He said, there are two trees here. Don't touch nothing out of them. He said, anything else you want, you can have. He said, well, did he say that? He said, yeah. he, he said it. And she, she said, well, did he mean it? And she said, hmm, well, I don't know. Anyway, she ate the fruit. Then they realized they were naked. They had sinned. God would come to them in the garden and say, hey, where are you at? And you know what they were doing? Same thing we're doing today. Still hiding. Hiding from God. They were hiding. They'd made them some cute little big dresses. Cover up their nakedness. And they're hiding. And from, day, from that day forward, we've been trying to cover our tracks, cover ourselves, hide from what we need the most. Because of sin, there's been a great separation. So God sent Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. you mind putting that up there? For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Him, Jesus. And through Jesus, reconcile everything to himself. On the earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. Shed on the cross. It was the blood of Jesus that brought us back to God. We have this great separation. I'm talking about the greatest miracle of all. Something that man cannot do, government cannot do, politics cannot do, but even the church cannot do. Blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Draws to God. Oh, listen. Jesus closed the gap by reconciling us. I could have cried out God and he would not have heard me. God, without Jesus, it would have just echoed. But now I can call out to God. Oh, help me, church. I can call out to God and now I get all of heaven's attention. Because now I have access to God. 
Jesus through the blood that he shed. The Bible says there will be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So all, all of my sins, every one of them, all of my sins, listen, past, present, future, all of them have been forgiven. All of them. Every one of them. How do I receive this? Talk. Here, how do I receive it? Did I tell you that salvation is a gift? You did remember what Jesus said to that woman at the well? If you knew the gift that was standing before you, it's a gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 15 says it like this. Thank be God for this indescribable gift. It's a gift. Stand with me all across the building. If we believe all that I said, I mean, it's more than just values. If we believe that salvation through Christ is the greatest of all miracles. And we, we wholeheartedly embrace God's grace. If we believe restoration is for anyone. If we really believe that. Then there's nobody that we can't tell about Jesus. Because see, if you don't understand grace, you, you'll think you're not good enough to do it. But grace is a gift. God is a, salvation is a gift. So it has nothing to do with you being good enough. So you can tell it. You can tell your story. You can share Jesus with someone. And then when you understand that don't matter what they look like or where they've been then that means there's nobody that you can't tell so if it's the drug addict that's down at this lowest possible state or the millionaire who is increased with goods and lack of nothing but missing everything you can tell them you need Jesus they tell you, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this church thing. This isn't about a church. We ain't got this. This ain't about a church. This isn't about a church thing. Huh. This is about God radically transforming your life in such a way that you'll never be the same. How? By admitting that you have, that you're a mess. You need Jesus. That's it. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I, and I believe by faith that you're, you're the Savior. That you died for me. You rose again for me. And you know what God will do? He'll make He'll put His Spirit in you. And it's perfect. It's righteous. Holy. And it's not a step. Where you do all these steps and get to know it's an immediate thing that happens when you place your faith in Jesus. All right, listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus today, you want this gift. You want to receive this gift today. You say, I'm not saved and I want to be saved. Lift your hand right now. Just lift it up high. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to talk to somebody who, who's fell in a hole. You've made a, you think you've made a fool of yourself. I want to remind you that God is restored today. And you say, I need, man, I've made a mess. I, I need Jesus. I don't know if I can bounce back from this. You can. You can. 
starts today. So right now, if you pray that prayer, they're going to sing. Sing, Josh. You are my champion. As they're singing, I'm going to stand right here. And if you, if you raise your hand and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you raise your hand, I want you to come right now. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.